Hey guys, welcome back to Late Night Murder. As always, we're your hosts. I'm Nicole. I'm Chase. And this week, we're going to be going to New York and talking about the case of Brittany Drexel. We just wanted to say thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. We love all of the support that we're getting from you guys. It means the world to us. If you haven't rated the podcast yet, please go and do so. The stars are for the charts so we can climb up them and bring you more content. And the words are for us, the reviews. We love reading them and... Give us those five stars. Give them, give them, give them. <laughs> The show will always be free, but you're welcome to check out our Patreon to show some extra support. Lots of bonus content on there, so you guys should check that out. And then even if you become a patron right now, you'll be able to have access to that entire back catalog. And I think we also are releasing another Patreon episode when we release this one too. So you have even more content now. Trigger warning. This episode contains descriptions of sexual assault, sex trafficking, and murder. So Brittany Drexel was born in Rochester, New York on October 7th, 1991 to her parents, Don and John. I'm going to butcher this. It's Kayahayaoglu. Okay. It's K-A-H-A-Y-A-O-G-L-U. Your guess is as good as mine. That's what I figured, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know I butchered it. I'm sorry. Let's move on. Okay. So Brittany's parents, John and Don, were just teens when they had Brittany. They weren't even married. Shortly after Brittany was born, her mother actually married a different man named Chad Drexel, who would go on to adopt Brittany. Okay. So a little about Chad. Chad was in the military at this time, and once his service ended, the family of three moved to a suburb in Rochester called Chile. Okay. Like Chile, like the food, not Chile, like cold. Okay. Brittany was born with persistent hyperplastic primary vitreous in her right eye. Whoa. So it's a rare mutation that can happen in utero. Okay. So this condition required several surgeries and ultimately rendered her eye blind, her right eye blind. Okay. And to cover up this eye's tendency to wander, Brittany wore contact lenses to kind of cover it. I mean, from my experience, like when you put a contact in, it like helps your eye focus and you're like, okay, you stay over here. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So what contacts do, like how they're shaped, it pretty much just fixes the shape of your retina. Wow. Because that's why people have bad vision. Their retinas are like wrongly shaped. All right. So contacts contacts help that. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I'm I'm lucky enough not to know anything about that. Mm Mm-hmm. In April of 2009, a 17-year-old Brittany asked her mom if she could go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, over spring break with her boyfriend at the time and some some girlfriends. Okay. So how old is she at this point? 17. Okay. Dawn declined this request as she didn't know the teens that were going very well and there was going to be no accompanying adults on this trip. Yeah, I don't think I would go for that either. Makes honest. sense. Like, yeah. hey, you're 17. Like, there's going to be no adults. Uh, South Carolina's a, a, quite a ways away from New York. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Uh, well, Myrtle Beach is also a really big spring break spot, too. 
Yeah. So it's like a ton of teenagers, a ton of college kids. Yeah, I don't know about that. So Don would later recall a gut feeling that something bad would happen. And again, like last week, let's stick to these gut feelings. Like, let's yeah. be on them, you know? And because Brittany is a teenager, and like normal teenagers, there were arguments over anything and everything with her and her mother over the next few days after Don said, no, you can't go on this trip. Yeah, as a teenager, I'm sure you would uh, you'd be mad about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I see it from both sides, too. Like, you don't want your 17-year-old daughter going halfway across the country, pretty much. Yeah, no. On a trip with no adults. And then as a teenager, you just want to go hang out with your friends for a week. Mm-hmm. Especially without parents. Yeah. So on April 22nd, after days and days of fighting and arguing with her mom, Brittany asked if she could go to a friend's house for a day or two, like for the weekend, to calm down. Yeah. And Dawn agrees that this is a good idea. She's like, you know, go clear your head. Go get some air. I'll see you in a couple of days. Unbeknownst to Dawn, Brittany left for South Carolina with her friends that day instead of going to the friend's house. Of course she did. Yep. See, I didn't say however. I said unbeknownst. <laughs> yep, that seems like the move. Yep. I would have done that. Three days later, on April 25th, Brittany actually calls her mom during the day and says, hey, uh, I'm at the beach right now. I'm having fun. Just calling to check in. Mm-hmm. And this didn't raise any red flags, as her mother just assumed it was Lake Ontario Beach. Okay. And the weather in New York actually happened to coincide with this, as it reached 83 degrees that day. 83 right. degrees Fahrenheit. Got it. So I mean, it made it was not. Like freezing cold in New York, and then Brittany said she was at the beach. Like, right. It, it, it all worked out. Got it. So Brittany and her friends were staying at the Bar Harbor Hotel in Myrtle Beach. And the night of April 25th, Brittany left her friends at the Bar Harbor Hotel around 8 p.m. to walk about one and a half miles south down to South Ocean Boulevard to visit a longtime friend that was staying at the Blue Water Resort. Okay. Security cameras at the Blue Water Resort would show Brittany arriving at the resort, shown carrying a beige purse, wearing a black and white tank top, flip-flops, and shorts. The cameras captured her leaving the Blue Water Resort around 8.45 p.m. Okay. This whole time, Brittany had been texting her boyfriend, John, as he had not been able to make the trip to South Carolina due to prior work engagements. Okay. So he was originally planning to go with the girls and then wasn't able to. Shit. So they had been texting back and forth around... They had been texting back and forth this entire time, this whole night. However, around 9.15, John stopped receiving Brittany's text and John just immediately got a bad feeling. Mm. So he begins calling Brittany, but she wasn't picking up. John then resorted to calling her friends that were on spring break in Myrtle Beach with her to see if they knew where she was or if they knew why she wasn't returning his calls, like if she had made it back or her phone died, like anything, you know? Yep. However, when these efforts turned up nothing, John called Brittany's mother, Dawn. Dawn immediately called her husband, Chad, and then Rochester police. She was hoping that the Rochester police could establish communications with the Myrtle Beach police. Yeah. 
The repeated phone calls and texts to Brittany's phone still went unanswered. Dang it. Don actually drove to Myrtle Beach the morning following Brittany's disappearance, like that morning. Okay. And she would actually come to relocate here as the search continued for Brittany and as she would be able to ease more easily monitor the progress of the case. Okay. Myrtle Beach police began looking for Brittany that following morning, so on April 26th. Mm-hmm. They were able to locate the security camera footage from the Blue Water Resort and interviewed the friends she had met up with while there. Yeah. So the last person who had reported seeing Brittany before she left the resort was identified as Peter Brosowitz. Peter is a 20-year-old nightclub promoter who Brittany had known from the Rochester area that was also vacationing in Myrtle Beach at the same time. Okay. After interviewing Peter and his roommates, police stated that they had not ruled anyone in or out at this point. Okay. So police were able to search Brittany's hotel room, where they found all of the clothes she had packed, but not what she was wearing and her cell phone and purse. So it seems like she never made it back to the hotel that night. Okay. They were able to track Brittany's cell phone pings along a path that led 50 to 60-ish miles south of Myrtle Beach in an area near the Georgetown-Charleston line. Okay. So the ping was steadily moving on this path for a bit and had abruptly stopped and stopped pinging in the early morning of April 26th. Shit. So it like pinged throughout the night, kind of going this 60 miles south and then just stopped near Georgetown. Mm, The phone died. Or somebody turned it off, I guess. Damn it. Yeah. So areas near here and Myrtle Beach where a body may have been disposed were then searched for the next 11 days. Oh, man. Unfortunately, they were not able to turn up anything from these searches. And from here, the police didn't really have anything to go on at this point. Like, they were still searching. They were still following up on leads, but just kind of where it stood for a while. Brittany's mother stated in a 2014 newspaper article that Brittany had defied her mom and gone gone down to South Carolina because she must have been, quote, promised something of interest, end quote, such as a modeling job. Don believed that her daughter had fallen victim to a trafficking ring, but Myrtle Beach police did not believe this. Huh. So this is a little weird tidbit thing. So the police claimed there was little to no trafficking in this area. However, a 2019 report would later rate this county as the number one county in South Carolina reported for sex trafficking. What the hell, man? Yeah, so... Okay. I don't know. Doesn't really come up with any new leads. We're all kind of just at a standstill still. Okay. Fast forward a couple years, and in June of 2016... The FBI held a news conference during which they stated they believed that Brittany had been murdered shortly after her disappearance. I mean, she's been missing at this point for seven years. Okay, that's kind of a weird thing to say after that amount of time, don't you think? What do you mean? They're, they're just saying they think she's murdered with no reason. That's weird to say. Well, I mean, it's been seven years, and there's been no hits on her social security card. There's been no contact with her family. She was 17. 
Okay. So the police come out and say, hey, we think she's she was murdered shortly after her disappearance. Okay. I mean, her phone made it 60 miles south and then stopped. It's just also, it's weird to it's, say that. Yeah. This far after. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of what the FBI has their theory going at this point. They believe that Brittany had been abducted from Myrtle Beach and taken to somewhere in the vicinity of Georgetown, near where the cell phone pings had ended early that morning that she had gone missing. Uh Their theory then thinks she was killed at this location, and the Bureau then puts up a $25,000 reward for information leading to the resolution of this case. Okay. Two months later... In August, there are reports of new developments happening in Brittany's case. It gets a little complicated here, so try to stay with me, okay? Okay. So there's a bond hearing for a man named Timothy Deshaun Taylor in August. Okay. Timothy is an inmate who was serving time in state prison on an unrelated charge. He was in jail for driving a getaway car in a 2011 robbery of a McDonald's. Okay. And then during this bond hearing, an FBI agent named Garrick Munoz testified that earlier in 2016, another inmate by the name of Taquan Brown told the FBI that in 2009, shortly after Brittany's disappearance, he had gone to visit Timothy's father, Sean Taylor. So we have this inmate, Taquan, telling FBI that in 2009, Taquan himself went to go visit Timothy's dad, Sean. Okay. Are we we on track? Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's a recap of Taquan's statement to the FBI. As Taquan was walking through the house, he saw Timothy sexually abusing Brittany with others around, like in the room. As Taquan continued to the backyard, he found Sean, the one he had come to see. As they talked, Taquan and Sean, Brittany ran from the house, however, was soon recaptured. Taquan also states that he saw Timothy pistol whip Brittany and then take her back inside the home. He then heard two gunshots, which he assumed was the young woman being killed. Taquan also claims to have seen a wrapped body being removed from the house and then dumped in one of the many alligator ponds in the area. Holy shit, that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Just kind of out of nowhere, this... Well, that's a very... That's a pretty detailed thing to yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Taquan's statement, even though it does seem a bit outrageous, it actually corresponds with Don's statements to newspapers... In 2014, you know, about the modeling job and the sex trafficking. Okay. As well as another informant's story. Okay. So this other jailhouse informant went to police and said that Timothy had picked up Brittany in Myrtle Beach and then taken her to his house in McClellanville, where he showed her off to friends and actually tried to sell her to them for trafficking purposes. And then the inmate said that when the case drew heavy media attention, Timothy then decided to kill Brittany to avoid an arrest. Holy fuck. The second informant has not been identified, but has been described as an inmate at a Georgetown County jail at the time he talked to authorities. Okay. 
Okay. So this isn't this, this seems like it's pretty credible. I mean, yeah, you have two jailhouse informants saying roughly the same story, like they're both incriminating Timothy Taylor. And then you have Don's mom thinking that Brittany was sex trafficked. Bunch of scumbags. Go back to this bond hearing in August 2016 for Timothy Taylor. Mm-hmm. His lawyer called this new charge a quote-unquote squeeze based on nothing more than statements of two jailhouse informants. Timothy's mother called these statements craziness since she believed her son could never commit such a crime. Ryan, nobody thinks people can do that. So a little while later in 2019... Taquan Brown gave an interview to the media, and his story changed a little bit. Okay. And even though some of the details changed, that that stayed the same is that he saw Timothy Taylor assault Brittany in the house that day. Okay. Despite all of this information that seems like it can amount to something, just doesn't. Damn it. The FBI had never officially named Timothy Taylor as a suspect in Brittany's disappearance or murder. At this time, Brittany remains missing, although police do believe she has been murdered. And I mean, with these cases, all it can take sometimes is just one piece of evidence or one person coming forward. Right. I mean, it's like we talked about last week. They would Police would rather have all the information... And have to sift through what's not needed to Mm -hmm. make sure they have all the puzzle pieces than missing that one puzzle piece that could finish the whole thing, you know? Right. So Yeah, so that's where it's at for a while. Okay. A person coming forward is exactly what happened. Good. In this case. Right on. In early May of 2022. Holy shit. Just barely. Wow. Okay. This, Brittany has been missing for 13 years at this point. Mm-hmm. A man by the name of Raymond Moody turned himself into the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office on the basis of an obstruction of justice charge. Huh. Okay. Raymond is a 62-year-old man and a registered sex offender. Raymond actually had been considered a person of interest for over a decade in Brittany's disappearance and suspected murder. Okay. He confessed to the crime on May 4th, 2022, and provided a location of where to find Brittany's remains. Holy shit. This launched an excavation process involving the FBI that lasted from May 4th to the 7th. By May 11th, human remains were located, buried in the woods off a gated private drive outside of Georgetown, about four feet to the gr- into the ground. Holy shit. Through dental and DNA records, these remains were confirmed to be those of Brittany Drexel on May 15th. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So this wooded area was only two and a half miles from the motel where Raymond Moody was staying at the time of Brittany's disappearance. All right. What happened? Do we know? So the arrest warrant for Raymond Moody alleged that Brittany had been strangled and then buried on the morning of April 26, 2009. Mm-hmm. Georgetown County Sheriff's Office, along with Brittany's family, made the information public the following day on May 16th. 
2022, accompanying the announcement of Raymond Moody's arrest. For the second time in Raymond Moody's life, he was arrested yet again for murder, kidnapping, and first-degree criminal sexual assault, all alleged to have occurred on the day Brittany disappeared this time. Holy fuck. He is also charged with obstructing justice for concealing and or disposing of evidence of his crime. So these charges placed upon Raymond are death penalty eligible, though the decision has yet to be determined if the death penalty will be sought after. And if you're checking your ears, you did hear me right. Some of these charges are not new to Raymond Moody. He's been a fucker for... That's, yeah, that's... What the fuck? Yeah, Yeah, he's been a fucker for quite a bit. So in the 1980s, Raymond Moody was arrested for the kidnapping and rape of an eight-year-old girl. Oh, fuck him. Yep. He was released after serving 21 years in prison. Ridiculous. He was released in the early 2000s. Brittany disappeared in 2009. Ah. So police stated that Raymond Moody was a suspect early on. They just did not have enough evidence to mark him as a definitive suspect. Damn it. Well, I'm glad. Man, what a piece of shit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's pretty pretty shitty. And I think it's so weird, like, the the jailhouse informant confessions or statements. All that was just bullshit? Yeah, it must have been. So I think what it was was in 2014, you have Dawn that goes to the media and does that interview and says, hey, I think it was sex trafficking. And then two years later, you have two different informant, like jailhouse informants, that play a story like that mm-hmm. with sex trafficking built into it. And it ended up being nothing related to Raymond Moody or anything of that nature. Right. So it's definitive that they have no link to him at all. Yeah. No, it's Raymond Moody. That Tim guy doesn't know him. It's like there's no chance that they were even... None that I could find, no. Wow. Okay. When I started researching this, it was a missing person's case that we were going to do and then boom everything happened so i mean like i said last week 2022 is the year of true crime being solved yeah that's fantastic i'm glad that that it's solved yeah now we have another case to keep our listeners up to date on yeah so we will be posting when he has his trial and how the court proceedings go and all of that stuff so but i'm just glad that her family was able to find some closure. Yeah, I don't know what made that scumbag change his mind and turn himself in, but good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I found a couple of things. Like, one said he just turned himself in to be nice, but then another one said he turned himself in because there was, like, a police had put out a warrant for his arrest for the obstruction charge. Oh, maybe he, they were on to him anyway. Yeah, and I think that's why they just did the obstruction charge, so not having everything blow up and him not come forward. Right. So then he went ahead and turned himself in. And then they were like, yeah, so actually we're going to talk about Brittany. Hmm. Even after 13 years, Brittany was able to go home finally. So that's that's good. Good, yeah. Well, guys, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, we know it was a little bit of a shorter one, but we have something bigger and longer planned for next week. So be sure to tune in. Thank you. 
As always, thank you for your support and your reviews. They mean a lot to us. The stars are for them and the words are for us. Stay up to date on everything happening at Late Night Murder. Be sure to follow us on social media. You can check us out at Late Night Murder Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. On Twitter, you can find us at LN Murder Podcast. And if you would like to submit a case for us to cover, be sure to go over to the bio in any of our social medias and you'll be able to click the link and submit a case there. And if you need more content and you just can't get enough, be sure to head on over to Patreon where there is an entire back catalog of new episodes that you can listen to Late Night Murder Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Okay, guys, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. bye.